Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 22nd of June. Barnaby Joyce says he hopes he comes back a better person after ousting Michael McCormack to become the new leader of the National Party. Mr Joyce took the top job after a leadership spill yesterday and will be sworn in today as Deputy Prime Minister. Mr Joyce was forced to resign in 2018 amid allegations of sexual harassment, which he denies. The comeback has been three years in the making, with Mr Joyce promising to do better. I acknowledge my faults and I resigned, as I should and I did. I've spent uh, three years on the backbench and I hope I come back a better person. Also making news this morning, Sydney remains on edge as the number of COVID exposure sites continues to grow across the city. The current Bondi cluster stands at 11 with two new cases recorded yesterday. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian warning residents not to drop their guard as authorities deal with the highly contagious Delta variant. In some instances, the exchanges have been scaringly fleeting. Literally people coming within, not even physically touching each other. Meantime, there's been a very heated discussion at a COVID Senate committee hearing between the head of the health department and Jackie Lambie over the AstraZeneca jab and Australia's choice to purchase it. It comes after the age limit for the vaccine was changed to Australians over the age of 60. The Tasmanian senator questioning Brendan Murphy over how much money the country saved by buying the AstraZeneca vaccine instead of locking in Pfizer. How much money? What would have been the difference? I'm just wondering if you would be... I'm not asking you how much you pay for. I'm just asking the difference of what the cost would have been. Cost was never... That's got nothing to do with commercial incompetence. Cost was not a consideration in these purchases. I've made it very clear that our purchases were made on the basis of the health... the medical advice from CITAG. And former Australian cricketer Stuart McGill has spoken publicly for the first time since his alleged kidnapping ordeal in Sydney. Four men have been arrested and charged over the alleged kidnapping on the 14th of April. He's told a current affair he relives the terrifying experience for more than 20 hours a day. I found myself in a position I couldn't do much about. Couldn't have done anything differently, I don't think. I don't really know. I thought maybe I could have done something different, but then I wouldn't probably be sitting here talking to you. Inquiries are continuing into the case. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. We begin in New South Wales and it's Budget Day and it's been revealed the state is tracking better than expected with New South Wales set to post a $500 million surplus within three years. Better than expected GST receipts, stamp duty from Sydney's housing boom and payroll tax have all helped boost the budget. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield also has the details on a groundbreaking new support package. Yeah, Tash, New South Wales is leading the way as part of this budget. In a landmark policy, women who have a miscarriage or stillbirth will be given one week of paid bereavement leave. It'll apply to full and part-time workers within the public service, but the Oz reports the Treasurer is in talks with some private sector employers about implementing a similar scheme. Men affected by their partner's miscarriage will also be eligible, while women who have premature babies will get special paid time off up until the date their child would have reached full term. 
And it's also State Budget Day in South Australia with a boost for major infrastructure works and a new hospital. There'll be some surprises, which include a predicted surplus within two years. Our Adelaide reporter Sean Maynard says it looms as a key budget ahead of next year's South Australian election. Yeah, that's right, Tash. This is really the Marshall government's last chance to detail how they'll set the state up for the next four years if the Liberals are re-elected uh, this March. And perhaps unusually for a Liberal government, it'll feature plenty of spending, uh, more debt with the emphasis on some big ticket projects like the new Women's and Children's Hospital. It'll push debt past $33 billion. And while this particular budget will run at a deficit of almost $2 billion, the Treasurer says he's pencilled in surpluses starting at $48 million within two years. Labor wants a big commitment on health given ambulance ramping at major hospitals has become a hot topic in recent months. Now, crucially, the government says there'll be no new taxes beyond the already announced 1.9% rise in fees and charges. Now for the latest in business and finance news and we're joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. There's another promise we see to help first home buyers, but is this latest scheme really a good idea? Yeah, Tash, look, um, I know the Real Estate Institute of Australia is urging eligible home buyers to secure their places in the deposit guarantee scheme. So, like, on July 1, there's going to be a further 30,000 spots that will be up for grabs under the First Home Loan Deposit Scheme, the Temporary New Home uh, uh, Program and the Existing Family Home Guarantee. So, just to recap, that that Family Home Guarantee, there'll be up to 10,000 spots eligible for single parent families to build a new home or purchase an existing one with as little as 2%. Now, there are eligibility criteria. In this case, your income can't exceed 125000 and the property caps. Now, with the other schemes, you can get in with as little as a 5% deposit. Look, while this is all really good, I mean, we can't forget that we are borrowing to the hilt. So it's important that people are comfortable with their serviceability. And it was interesting to note that the Commonwealth Bank has only increased its serviceability rate from 5.1 to 5.25%. So what that means is that even if you can get a loan at, say, 2%, they're still going to judge you at 525 It's the high of the bank, and I suspect others will follow because it really does come off the back of the uh, banking watchdog, APRA, saying to the big banks, hey, manage your risky lending take care. So this will be an interesting space to watch. And another interesting space to watch, Effie, is superannuation and the many reforms now underway. One reform got through Parliament, but the onus is still on the consumer and not everything is set to be ready for the July 1 launch. Yeah, absolutely, Tash. The onus is very much on us to actually act. Look, overall, it's good news. You've probably heard this, about $18 billion in fees and lost performance over the next 10 years is expected to be saved. But not everything's going to be ready. So let me just walk you through that quickly. So on July 1, your super comparison tool will be ready. So you'll be able to compare super funds. And super funds also have a best interest disclosure. So they've got to say things like, you know, where are they spending their money? Like how much are they spending on advertising and so on? What's not going to be ready is the performance test. That won't be till October 1. On October 1, if your fund is so-called a dud, it hasn't passed the performance test, you should be told. And then on November 1, your super fund will be like stapled to you, stuck to you. So if you move jobs, it will follow. Now, the little tip here is if you do get a letter on the 1st of October, open it to find out how your fund has performed because you definitely don't want to be stuck to that one on November 1. 
Take care before you move. Look at your insurances as well. That's probably the best tip because if you don't, you may find yourself stapled to a dud fund or to a fund whose insurance policy doesn't meet your needs. Open a letter, Effie. <laughs> we tend to avoid the one. As soon as we see super, we may just glaze over it. So I'm just giving a little heads up. No, the great tips. We need to treat super like our bank accounts and always check what's going on. Thanks so much, Effie. Thanks, Tash. <laughs> Now with Brett Thomas and Brett, a big announcement at the Broncos as they attempt to fix another shocking season. Yeah, of course, fighting uh, to avoid back-to-back wooden spoons. They hadn't won a wooden spoon till last year. Now it could be two in a row. We've got a former Bronco returning to Red Hill. That's Ben Eichen, leaving his role in the media on uh, Fox Sports uh, NRL 360. He's been appointed to take over the football department, so head of football is the official title. Now, of course, that is a department that's come under enormous uh, criticism in recent years for their recruiting and inability to retain some of their young players. Uh, Club director Darren Lockyer expects Eichen to have an immediate impact. He knows how the game works and he knows what structures and what businesses are successful in the NRL and, and hopefully that expertise that he's got. And I, and I know him. I know him well. He's a good, solid person. He's honest. Now, he played 55 games for the Broncos, a premiership winner, a mainstay of the Queensland side there for a few years as well. The Maroons, by the way, have entered camp on the Gold Coast, New South Wales in Kingscliff, uh, just hoping to avoid this COVID situation uh, in Sydney. We've got Angus Crichton winning a spot on the bench. And then the big news, as we mentioned yesterday, Reese Walsh, uh, the fullback for the Maroons, just 18 years of age, will be the youngest debutante since, funnily enough, Ben Eichen back in 95. Oh, wow. Uh, and also today, Brett Geelong is expected to be the big winner from the next fixture release. Well, we're still waiting for clarity about this weekend, but yeah, the AFL's also working on the following uh, fixture, as you mentioned. It looks like Geelong will get the Friday night time slot against the Bombers. They've had a lot of time in prime time at the Cats this season, but they deserve it considering the form they're in. Now, this game would be played at Cadinia Park. Essendon hasn't played down the highway since 1993. Still on the Bombers, Jake Stringer is pushing for a long-term deal. Reportedly, that is four years. Triple M's chief footy reporter Damien Barrett says that if Stringer keeps up his current form, the Bombers could be finals bound. Best season since 2015 when he was all Australian as a bulldog. I, I just really like what they're, they're about. Look, they only beat Hawthorne on the weekend and that may be some people having a question mark over them still, but they've only lost one game in their past five. And it looks like Dion Prestia will be back for the Tigers against the Saints on Friday night. And finally, Brett, Ben Simmons. When is he set to be at the Olympics this year? Well, we're holding on to hope that he will play. Now, his playoff run with Philadelphia has come to an end, and there's a lot of focus on him uh, this morning because uh, the 76ers lost a Game 7 yesterday to Atlanta, and unfortunately, he had a really poor night, just uh, five points. We know he struggles with shooting, and he was even criticised by one of his teammates, Joel Embiid, for passing up a wide-open dunk. He certainly looked a bit rattled, and his coach, Doc Rivers, says that he doesn't know if Ben could be the point guard on a championship team. know that question or the answer to that right now you know so I don't know the answer to that so not the greatest vote of confidence and it sparks some trade talk over in the US so we'll see if that affects whether Ben wants to play for the Boomers or not at the Tokyo uh, Tokyo Olympics but fingers crossed he's pulling on the green and gold yeah let's hope he does thanks so much Brett thanks Tash and gold Logie winner and actor Samuel Johnson is recovering in hospital after he was hit by a car on Saturday night. His sister Hildy has shared the news in a post on the Love Your Sister charity Facebook page saying he was accidentally struck while on his way to visit family. She says the fantastic medical staff are in overdrive taking care of his sore head 
and adding that Samuel is awake and he's not too happy that he doesn't have his pants, saying nobody loves a hospital gown. Certainly don't. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also find the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.